if you're going to do like a guest vocal on a comeback kid live show, usually that's the song that people are going to want to, that people are going to want to sing. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend, who you're going to hear from in a moment, is Aaron. He had the chance to sit down and chat with uh, Andrew from the band Comeback Kid about his five favorite Comeback Kid songs. So we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, go ahead and follow us on our Instagram and Twitter at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find our personal Instagrams and Twitters linked there as well. Uh, you'll also find a link to our Discord on there. So if you want to come hang out and chat music and stuff with uh, us, as well as a number of other great podcasts uh go go click that link in our instagram and twitter profiles and yeah this this episode is kind of one that i feel like has been a long time coming uh andrew coming on the show at least as far as doing an episode like this about comeback kid we've had various members of the band now on the podcast in different episodes and talking about different things and going way way back so uh that's kind of cool so anyway He's going to chat about uh, his five favorite songs in the Comeback Kid library, which is it's a, it's a great interview. It's a ton of fun. Uh, obviously, if you're a Comeback Kid fan, that's probably why you're here. So you're looking forward to that. So let's not waste any more time. Um, this is Aaron chatting with Andrew from Comeback Kid. like to start these with uh, kind of like a fun fact or kind of something I find. And I mean, this wasn't something I was unaware of, but um, so Comeback Kid originally started out as a side project. You know, while this isn't necessarily that uncommon, what's unique is I don't know of many bands, you know, with your longevity that started as a side project. So that, that's a really cool kind of fact in itself. You know, at what point did you, did you know Comeback Kid kind of had something special going and that you wanted to pursue this band? kind of over the other projects you were working on at that time? Um, well, what was funny about Comeback Kid is I started it um, as a side project, like you said, but to play guitar in a band because I loved playing guitar. And I had been right. singing uh, with Figure Four for a couple, you know, quite a while since I was 16 or something. So I don't know, four years or something. Kind of got my touring start with that. And I was, I think I was just like sick of yelling, to be honest with you. And uh so Comeback Kid started so I could play guitar and uh, have a band with um, my friend Scott and Jeremy from Figure Four was in it too. And, it, you know, we just kind of wanted to do something a little more melodic and different. And it kind of, to be honest, it kind of took off quite quickly. Like even towards our like first tour, um, you could see the some of the excitement that maybe we weren't getting at the Figure Four shows. Yeah. You know, because Figure Four was maybe two records in. Um, the first comeback kid record came out, was recorded like maybe two months after the final figure four record. 
Okay. So the th- and third one. So that those were quite close together, and then we were able to kind of bounce tours off each other. Um, and then kind of quickly, it was obvious that Comeback Kid was the one that kind of was kind of getting a little more excitement around. Yeah. Around did, the, the shows. And did you feel like bad about kind of ditching the figure four thing, or was was it you know natural enough that it was like okay, like you guys should pursue this and. Um, kind of, maybe for one member in particular, uh, of figure four that wasn't able to kind of do this with us, but figure four was always like me and then Jeremy and like, we'd already had people come and go. Um, and you know, like usually people would quit the band to start a family pretty much, you know? Uh, so we had already kind of been like that. And so like, it wasn't like I was letting down someone who was like really trying to create new songs with figure four really you know right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no that makes sense you know you kind of have to and that's cool you know to have different projects where you kind of just see where it goes or release you know like figure four you know you kind of played some shows here and there festivals and released a few albums but to have another project that's like hey we can just go full force here and let's kind of see what happens totally yeah it it worked out really well at the, the right time and i feel like just at that time um i was booking a lot of tours figure four so i was able to kind of know how to kind of get comeback it around um and so i think that was a a really positive thing in like the really early days just to kind of have a you we were able to piggyback a lot off stuff that was already going on you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure yeah i also want to share a, a live memory um so it's uh, I think it was the Turn It Around CD release in Winnipeg. I think it was maybe even with Figure Four and Gravemaker. I remember Mel from Figure Four had like a broken leg or something, and was playing in a chair. Was that was that the CD release for that? Does that Fuck, sound familiar? I don't. Even rem- I don't yeah, even was- rem- <laughs> it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been Gravemaker for the Turn It Around. Oh, okay. Release because they wouldn't have been around yet. Oh, okay. It could have. It could have been. Oh, I think it was, um, was it like soccer or something. It was uh... something Bailey. You're thinking, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the guy who I was talking about. Was maybe, you know, I was sad that we were. He was always so keen on touring with Figure Four too. So yeah, that's why I was like, felt bad that I, he, you know, I couldn't bring him along on everything. But our lives kind of went different paths, uh, and he was able to join like other crazy bands too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was. I just remember that being a sweet show. Like that was kind of before. I mean, I feel like Comeback Kid was still pretty new then. You know, it was in a hall. There was maybe know, one or 200 people there or something. It was in a hall, right? Yeah. Okay, so that would have been maybe the Wake the Dead CD release? Maybe? No, no, it was it was before that. I wasn't at the Wake the Dead one. Maybe it was a figure four album, uh, Suffering the Loss release. Like, that's the third oh, record. Oh, yeah, maybe that could Because I remember it was at Broadway Community Center. I remember because my grandpa was there. And he was uh, like at the edge of the he was at the edge of the pit. I remember that clearly. Okay, well, um, but I don't remember. Maybe comeback kid played, but I think may, are you did did CBK play? Oh wow! Now, now you've got me second guessing. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe 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 <laughs> just figure four. <laughs> yeah, well, because like I, I definitely remember Mel with a with a broken leg playing in a chair. So I, I thought maybe it was the same show. But anyways, well, I guess we'll disregard uh, disregard <laughs> that. Good. But but what what I do love is that you know there's not many of my favorite bands where i've kind of been there from the start and so i just love that about comeback kid you know it, it never gets tired seeing you guys play live and i always look forward to the next time so that's oh thanks uh, man a cool memory you, with that 
like Canadian guys, you know, sticking with each other, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I saw you get, like when you were with figure four, like I remember coming to Brandon um, to see you guys play. There was like, I don't know, like 15, 20 people there. Brandon was always sketchy for shows anyways, but. <laughs> and how, how, how old are you? I'm 37. Awesome. Yeah. I'm turning 40 in a couple days here. So. Okay. Yeah. Similar so, age. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely uh, kind of been, been on the journey, but yeah, let's, let's get into uh, some of these, some of these songs that you picked. Um, so the first one is on Turn It Around, which was released on March 4th, 2003 on the independent label Facedown Records. Releasing Turn It Around in 2003, Comeback Kid began touring full-time, covering most of North America as well as Europe. You guys hit the road pretty hard right off the bat, and you kind of said you could kind of, you know, piggybacking off of figure four, and it seemed like you guys started to gain, you know, a dedicated following really quickly. What was that kind of like, you know, especially in contrast with figure four? Like, I don't really know what your touring was like off of those earlier albums, um, but what was it like kind of doing it with comeback kid and kind of seeing people kind of latch onto that so quickly. And do you remember kind of some of those initial yeah. tours and that quick growth? If I mean, at the time it felt fresh to us. Um, figure four was touring with, you know, a lot of bands like, you know, shattered realm, uh, sworn enemy, uh, hate breed. Um, and some of like the really like heavier, kind of bands in the hardcore thing yeah and i think that maybe comeback kid was able to uh attract some people that wouldn't have listened to figure four because figure four was just that like you know beat sometimes beat down marauder kind of just like hard heavy hardcore you know what i mean where comeback kid um you know when we talk about all in a year that kind of encompasses that song encompasses what we were trying to be as a band 
which was, you know, we come from that figure four style. It's just a, a harder kind of hardcore style, obviously influenced by heavier bands, but you know, we were also influenced by lifetime and yeah. uh, good riddance and maybe some of that, you know, 90s skate punk stuff that other bands in hardcore didn't really care for as much. But I thought that that kind of brought a little bit of a more melodic element to it. Um, not quite really screaming um, at that time <laughs> and uh, and still having, you know, I feel like, you know, the breakdown of that song, I kind of sing on that. So it's just a nice, I felt like a nice like gateway and a kind of like bridge type song to get from, you know, what we were doing with figure four to Comeback Kid because it still had some of the figure four elements, but more of that melodic tinge to it. Yeah, yeah, for so. sure. Yeah, and on yeah. some of those like earlier tours, could you kind of sense like, okay, this is definitely has you know like a lot of potential? Like what you know when people like you, I, I think, think I think we were I think we were just happy that we were able to, you know, play with bands that maybe Figure Four wouldn't have been able to play with, um, and it just kind of opened us up to um, a different type of uh, you know audience, totally, you know, and. Um, so yeah, Scott had a lot to do with it. Our singer Scott at the time. And uh, I remember as far as like internet goes, there wasn't any socials really yet, but there was right. like a, a site called Makeout Club that people were sharing music on. And this is like really like early before Facebook and Friendster. Yeah. Um, and we were just sending out like burnt CDs for the, for the demos and then... Um, yeah, we got that record out. It's I, I, that's all. That's all I can really remember. I yeah, mean, there's yeah. a lot. Well, there's yeah, a lot. There's a lot to it. But um, and all all in the year is also the song that, like everybody, like does. If if you're gonna do like a guest vocal on a comeback kid live show, usually that's the song that people yeah, are gonna yeah. want well, that people course. are gonna want to sing. The can't live in yesterday part. So yeah, no, that part is awesome. Yeah, kind of on a on yeah. a little side note, just what you said about. Um, you know, kind of the melodic and heavy thing. It's so kind of with uh, with means like so. We were touring in like 2007, 2008, so about four or five mm -hmm. years after this, and it had almost kind of shifted. Like, I mean, we were fairly melodic. I mean, we were definitely influenced by by Comeback Kid, and you know, and just seeing your success, kind of thinking. But also you know, more shy, shyish. You, you guys were more in that world too. The more metallic. Yeah, kind of world. I think. Yeah, right? yeah, but just the kind of how it had shifted from like melodic hardcore, kind of the pausey thing, was really kind of blowing up when you guys first started touring, which was you know amazing for your guys' success. By the time we were touring the states, it was kind of back to like you know super heavy breakdowns. So when we like really started touring down there, um, like we were touring with like Amir and some of those kind of heavier, not necessarily deathcore, but heavier bands and that's what yeah. people wanted like we did not get super well received on some of those tours so it's funny how even in those four or five years how it kind of like shifted but i don't know maybe that was just the you know that specific time or something anyways it was just kind of a totally and i think our sound also shifted away from that maybe like posy sound that we had early on too that and just kind of became more of a all-encompassing type hardcore band with like pretty heavy parts you know what i mean like yeah quite, quite a metallic approach sometimes but still bringing in that punk rock and hardcore stuff so 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, with uh, with all in a year, like, do you remember writing that song? Like, did that come together pretty easily? And it came together super easily. It was in our drummer's basement in uh, Oak Bank, Manitoba, Kyle's basement, and it was me, Jeremy, and Kyle, just the three of us. Um, Jeremy had been playing in another band called called Officer Down. Oh yeah. We found Kyle. Uh, we kind of knew him, and knew that he could play hard and play double kick. So we have like oh, a yeah. double kick part <laughs> in that song. Um, and yeah, I think I came up with the riff and it just came like really, really naturally. Actually, I really wanted Scott, Scott Wade to sing in our band. I know I knew him before he toured with figure four and, um, but he would never, he wouldn't show up to practice. Oh. So we wrote that song. And actually I remember like we tried another person out as well because Originally, it was like I'm, I was rooting for him. I'm like, yeah, guys, like Scott's going to come. He's going to come. And then it was like two or three practices where he didn't come. And so we're like, all right, fuck it. Like, let's try someone else out. And then we did. And then finally, I got Scott there. But he almost missed his chance. <laughs> and maybe we missed our chance, you know, to be with him. Yeah, that's so, crazy to think of. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We like he He was always the one that was supposed to be in the band. But at, there was a time when he wasn't showing up. So uh, did you ever find Good. out like why that was? Or he just... no, no, he was just, I don't know. Maybe he was just busy or who knows working at some stupid job. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe then yeah. it was like, Oh, it's just some guys jamming. Like it's not necessarily going to go anywhere or whatever. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So it seemed like, you know, a lot had happened in between turn it around, wake the dead. You guys had toured nonstop and continued to grow your fan base. You guys record this album at the Blasting Room with Bill Stevenson. Uh, how did that and come Jason. about? Uh, yeah, Jason and, and Livermore. He always gets yeah. over like everyone says Bill, but Jason yeah, yeah. Sorry, big, yeah, Jason's the big awesome. Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How how did that uh, come about? Like you mentioned, you know the the punk stuff. So I'm sure that's kind of a clear connection there. Yeah. So okay, cool story with that. We were gonna go with um, this guy Jim Siegel um, to record Wake the Dead, and he was the producer from blood for blood give up the ghost the give up the ghost record had just come out okay i think the first and um you know draw kick stuff like he was a boston producer okay um, so like a bit more raw kind of gritty sounding or yeah a little bit more um i think we were and we, i actually remember talking to tim from american nightmare give up the ghost about potentially producing the record um because you know we were just fans of them and we I, he said i think he was kind of down from what i remember jim siegel was very much down and he was an analog recorder that's oh, okay. what i remember too so that's pretty sick too um and he was down and then we went on a tour with bill stevenson's new band only crime oh yeah i love that. um they they opened up a tour for us and bill and us kind of got to know each other because the Bane guys played in Only Crime and stuff and we knew them and uh, he actually like I don't know if he was just trying to like get the blasting room going a little bit more or whatever but because they were already like super successful and doing a lot yeah. of stuff um, and but he took the time and made a mix CD of all of the stuff that he'd done just to kind of like show us that he could do like heavy music yeah um, I can't remember uh, what's one of those like ska punk bands that he would have done. 
um, that kind of have almost hardcore sounding songs. I can't remember right now. Less oh. than Jake. I don't even know oh, yeah, one of yeah. those. I, I, uh, but he did that. And then he'd also recently done um, the Good Riddance record, the yeah. hardcore one. And what was funny about that is he would kept, kept on talking to us about how like Russ Rankin was really influenced by Bane on that record. And he was, and Bill didn't really understand that he was because so Bill would do the vocals and the bass and then Jason Livermore would do the guitar and the drums in the other room. We did that record in two weeks in two wow. studios. And yeah, it's crazy how fast that went. Um, and we signed to Victory Records while we were in the studio, begrudgingly by Scott Wade. He was like, <laughs> so, he signed it and like kicked the fucking table and like ran out and shit. Like he didn't want it to. It was really funny. Um, oh, he didn't. He didn't want to sign to Victory. No, we kind of. But we were kind of like, okay, which is what we're doing. This is what we want to do. You know? Yeah. Um, Why is that? And, like you just wanted to move off of face down and kind of just expand. And we'd we'd heard the horror stories of Victory, but yeah, like. You know, the choices were Victory, Trustkill, or Century Media, but like Abacus Century Media oh, at yeah, the time. Yeah. And uh, in hindsight, you know, maybe not the worst choice. Yeah. Uh, you know, but <laughs> like Victory Records is pretty classic. So Yeah, for sure. Pretty pretty hilarious label in some ways. So, uh, but also, you know, had probably a big thing to do with Wake the Dead's, um, you know, response. Yeah. So well, I think, I mean, it's such a good sounding record. Everything that they do is so good. And I think they really you know, kind of honed in a little bit of that, you know, the kind of more polished sound, but still, you know, still had that hardcore energy to it. And I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm always drawn towards kind of more cleaner sounding versus some of the more kind of thrashier punk sounding stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even personally, like I, I'm glad it went that direction. Uh, I mean, yeah, it just turned out so good. Yeah. Even listening back today, I was, uh, that's, that song really fucking, kicks ass i think so uh and i remember writing that song too when we were on tour i remember being like outside of a venue in like southern southern texas like a border town in texas and writing that song that that riff and uh it all came together really well yeah are you talking about the false idols falls yeah yeah yeah
Scott would always write lyrics like right up until the night of the night before. So we would kind of, he'd write some stuff and we'd sit down or I'd write something and kind of fill in blanks and just kind of figure it out the night before pretty much usually. Yeah. Well, that, um, that seems to be the way it goes with so many bands where it's like almost that under pressure thing where, you know, that's where the good stuff comes. You know, I've heard on so many podcasts where, you know, the album's done and they're like, oh, let's just do like, you know, I've got one more idea. And it's like, well, go ahead. And then like turns into like the biggest single on the album. There's just kind of something exactly. about the the pressure being, a, you know, on or off or whatever. Totally. Totally. And just, just young vigor, I think, can like, yeah, really push that and help that along along when you're doing records. So yeah. uh, it didn't, I don't, I don't remember it being like, like I've had recordings that have felt really, really stressful, but I don't remember it feeling that stressful. Maybe because I wasn't screaming on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be. <laughs> just just being being able to just play guitar mostly. It's like was kind of a relief there. So Yeah. Well it seems like, you know, turning around kind of you know, it was your initial record, you were kind of, you know, your first batch of songs, I'm kinda of guessing. So it kind of seems with the second one, you kind of have that excitement of like, okay, you know, we're we've kind of tested the road, we've tested this album, we're getting positive feedback. Let's, you know, get back in a room and and get more out there and kind of just keep things going. Is that somewhat yeah. accurate? Def- definitely. And so, yeah, there was not really much stopping, but Bill convinced us, uh, and we were just kind of like flattered that Bill Stevenson was taking interest in us and wanted to record us, and so we canceled the other the Jim Siegel thing. Went to Fort Collins, did the record with him and uh, him and Jason, and we did our next record with them too. But they they hooked it up, like gave us a great deal. I think it was just right place, right time. They Bill was able to see us with his eyes, like on tour, and was like, "Okay, yeah. I want to be part of this and maybe do some more hardcore type stuff." And I think he ended up doing more hardcore stuff after that, or like hardcore world ish stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. Like they've done some a day to remember. I mean, they did an Asley Dying record and. Uh, no way. So, yeah, That's yeah, they, they they did not the newest one, but the one before kind of everything went down. Um they did wild. that and and so That's a, that's a ran, random uh random pairing there, but Yeah, oh, it's such a good sounding album too. Like I think there's a few other people involved in the production of it, but I um, mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they tracked it there and yeah, it was it was awesome. That that must have Crazy. been such a, a shift, you know, recording in, you know, Winnipeg with uh, John Paul, I think was Peters who did your first one. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, like that's such a big jump, you know, like within our scene, you know, from, you know, a smaller kind of local Manitoba guy to, you know, this world renowned, you know, duo or studio. Totally. And I did I it felt really good even though like they weren't like like they weren't helping us with any writing, songwriting or anything like that, but it really felt like they were the captains of the ship. You know what I mean? As far as producing the record, like we really trusted them. And it was really cool as young people to be able to like go into it and like just, we know that they're sick and they're going to do it sick. And I remember, you know, we'd stay there. We stayed in the studio. We had bunk beds somewhere else and, you know, writing there every night when, you know, ending at normal times in the night. So we'd have time to write and we still had energy and then at the very end, we're just hanging out for a few days, f- finishing up a few little things. But then, then they pull us in the room, and like we got the big control room. It was like, okay, let's listen to the mix now. Like we're mm. there for the mix. Yeah. And cool. then, and then you that you hear it like how you've never heard it before. Like you know, we're dry, we're recording vocals super dry in Studio B. And to me, it's like, oh man, this sounds like weird. And then, you know, he puts all the stuff on it, the plugins, whatever, and uh, 
before in the studio, you know, you, they sit us down and they play it for you. You're like, oh, wow, this is our song, you know? Yeah, that's so, cool. That's a, it, it, it's a cool feeling when you're like still in it and then you can get the mix while you're still there. Yeah, like, for sure. I just recently just did an email back and forth on the Canoeist record. And it's just like, if, if you could just be there just to kind of be like, oh, can we get like this up and that kind of see what this sounds like up, you know, that makes a big difference. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you're, and especially when you're still kind of a part of the process, right? It's a bit different when, you know, you record the album and then like two, three months later, you're getting mixes. You're kind of, you know, almost off in a different world. And it's like, oh, yeah, like this album's coming out. We did these songs. And it just sometimes feels a little bit more broken instead of just being like fully immersed in the project. And, but I mean, that's totally. just kind of how it goes, right? It's, it's not as just kind of step one, step two, step, step three. Like, Sometimes there's a bunch of stuff kind of in between there. But when you guys were uh, writing this album, like, um, did you have any kind of specific thoughts coming from Turn It Around? Or was it just, let's just kind of see what this next batch of songs does? And, or, you know, was there a lot of thought put into it or just natural progression? Natural progression, still keeping it melodic. I mean, trying to get away from super obvious stuff. But I think you can tell on um, Wake the Dead, maybe one big thing is you're not there weren't as many like, like chugga chugga breakdowns on it. Yeah. You know, we weren't afraid just to kind of have like a skip bridge, you yeah. know? Um, and yeah, I guess we were just like less concerned with that where maybe we would have been more concerned with that, trying to fit one of those on most of the songs of the previous record. Cause we saw that the, the more, you know, mid paced kind of songs kind of without the metal kind of breakdown stuff, uh, really worked well still live you know we didn't feel like we needed to fit a breakdown into those kind of songs so i feel like it made us better songwriters in that way but yeah yeah for sure yeah so you you had also mentioned the song week the dead We live, survive, carry things 
I mean, yeah, like, I mean, that that is our... Yeah, we kind of have to talk about it. Yeah, like, not many bands, I feel... I don't know if many bands have, like, one song that is for sure, for sure, the song for them. But <laughs> Wake the Dead is for sure, Comeback is, like, end-all, be-all song kind of thing. Like, I don't yeah. know if we'll ever top, top that. And How not, do you feel about many... that? Is that, like... Is that frustrating I, or is it like, hey, that's cool to have? I'm I'm happy to have like a song that's gotten so much like recognition. Like almost the song could be bigger than the band in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Like I'll t- I'll take it. I'll I'll go along for the ride, and we can always kind of count on it. Like it's always in our back pocket at a show. Like where if like a show sucks, Wake the Dead can usually save it. Yeah. So, Do you remember yeah. writing this song, and did you have kind of any inclinations at that time that it would? resonate with so many people for so many years or was it just kind of another song that you liked at the time yeah we i remember writing it and i remember being excited excited about it um definitely a collaborative effort scott came up with the idea of city of the dead um i wrote a lot of the riffs jeremy added a lot of the stuff too so it was quite collaborative um when we did the vocals it's kind of singing on the choruses yeah. Um, especially the first chorus. And I don't think Scott meant to sing that first chorus that way. Um, he was just kind of yelling. And actually, Bill had a uh, an, like an analog tuning wheel. And he, I think he kind of finessed that, that yell that Scott made to kind of make it a little bit more like in key with the song. You oh, know? Okay, yeah. This time is going to be different. And then we, when we did the end where it was like super sing-along-y with the harmonies. I remember there was a, there was some arguments in the studio about if that was going too far into the melodic world. Oh, man. Um, that part is so good, though. It just is like so I know, epic I mean, and like, anthemic. Luck, and... Luckily, we did it, right? But uh, at the time, it was definitely like a point of contention. Uh, people weren't – not everyone was sold that we should, like, should go that like poppy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, but, I mean, it's – I don't know. It's – kind of has poppy parts of the song it's not like it's a super heavy song with like a poppy ending to it i mean yeah i guess as a listener i I don't know any difference so it's this coming from a a band that had never had a part that melodic before you know yeah so we were just really so i mean yeah it carried on into a a whole thing for us later on but um (laughs) that's just a funny thing you know it was 2004 when we recorded it and we were young and we didn't we didn't know we we just kind of thought maybe we should just kind of keep it more straight up, you know, but it was what it was and it, it worked. So yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's it's stood the test of time. You keep playing it; it can change the mood of a show. This might be a, a hard question to answer, but is there any kind of standout shows for this song specifically where it's just like okay, like this is really hitting harder than maybe even new, like maybe a festival or something overseas or something like that? Oh, for sure. I mean. There's no feeling better than, you know, playing Resurrection F- Festival in Spain and having the whole tent sing this song, uh, or you know, Gros Rock in Belgium, or you know, a small club or like some club in London. Yeah, um, it's the song that like really like makes us feel like, oh, dude, this is great. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's it, it's a uh, you know. W- we always close with it. Maybe we shouldn't always. I don't know. We Just start with do. it sometime and say, all right, that's it. 
we have started with it one or two times when we were coming into a festival feeling like, I don't know. And actually it's shot us in the foot before because maybe the people weren't ready for it. Oh, and see, we probably yeah. would have, would have been better off playing it later after the crowd had warmed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like sometimes you play somewhere where like you're following, you know, like a metal band or something. And it's like, ah, oh, we kind of got to keep people's attention. So let's just start with this one. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe like they needed a little bit more time to get greased up, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> No, that's that's awesome. I mean, it, yeah. It's, does it ever feel like, um, you know, you're kind of trying to to match it, or it's like, ah, oh, how can we kind of come up with another one like that, or you know, because it's not necess- it's not that different from you know the rest of your catalog. So does that like kind of eat away at you ever, or is it just you know kind of one of those fluke things that you're always trying to write good songs and you don't really have control over which one's gonna you know resonate yeah, in a certain I'll, way. Always trying to write good songs, but. I know like as we're going into certain songs that they may never be played live, <laughs> you know, there's sometimes you just want to write a song because it feels good and yeah, well, to get it recorded, you get it recorded and it sounds cool, but maybe it's going to be more of an album song rather than a, a live song. And, and I'm cool with that. Like it exists yeah. even on the new shit, you know? So. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I mean, you have enough, you know, dedicated fans, you know, like I, I love all the songs. Like obviously there's ones that stand out a bit more just popularity wise, but you know, all the other ones are so good too. So yeah, that's just part of music, right? You're always, you know, you're trying to write music that you think fans will like, but you also want to do music that, that you're, you know, engaged in. And so that's cool that you can mm-hmm. have that, you know, thought process when you're writing. It's like, you know what? That's okay. If this one doesn't get played, I think this song is cool and it's, and it's going on here. And yeah, and also letting people like spread their wings. Maybe if you know, let's let's see it through. You know, let's see how it goes. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's move on to uh, Symptoms and Cures, which is your fourth studio album. It was released yeah. on August thirty first, twenty ten, through Victory. So this was your second album with the band as the lead vocalist. Um, so what did you kind of learn about the writing and recording and touring from from your album broadcasting that kind of helped you hone your craft on this album? Um, broadcasting a lot. I had just probably started singing not that long before that, maybe a yeah. couple, like a, a year or something. And so I was really trying to emulate Scott um, when I moved to vocals and make it kind of sound like him and just kind of whatever. And I think maybe Symptoms and Cures, I was able to kind of go out on my own a little bit more, but it was a tough record to record that one. Mm. Um, How come? I w- it, it was quite, sc- it's quite screamy, right? And like kind of screaming through the, the, the speakers it has that a very like vibe like that i think gm turned out really well um but uh yeah i just you know i'd been touring a lot with that and so i kind of maybe was more comfortable uh with my own sound uh at that time but i do remember it being a kind of quite a struggle to to record and getting a lot of headaches and um it was just a, just a lot. <laughs> yeah, know. and I, got, I was I think I was I think I was playing guitar on a lot of songs and screaming. So I just was like, uh, it, it was just I it was nonstop. So yeah, uh, yeah. You guys recorded this one back up in Canada in Toronto. Yeah, in Toronto mm. with Eric Ratz and Kenny Long, who yeah. had done like you know they'd work with uh, Gavin Brown before on and, and Billy Talent, and then then they did a bunch of Cancer Bats, and yeah. that's kind of how we kind of connected with those guys okay so i was i had just started living in toronto it was cool to be able to like take the subway there but at the same time it's nice to be away when you're recording just to kind of focus in um 
when you're doing like a full length record with like your band from out of town and stuff, you know? Yeah. How does that process look like for Comeback Kid? Like when you're about to record a new album, what are the conversations or thoughts around like, you know, because it's, it's so endless, right? It's like, well, we could go, you know, Canada, we could go to the States, we could go to Europe, we could, you know, there's a hundred guys in the States you could do it with. How do you kind of pick who it is you're going to record that album with? Um, I think that one, we had just linked up with Distort Records. Right. Um, who, you know, had done like Alexis and uh, Cancer Bath and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so there was a whole new element of like keeping things kind of Canadian. And there was maybe, a, maybe we got a grant or something yeah, like that. Factor grant or... Uh, so I think that was a deciding factor, actually, in order to, uh, you know, maybe Distort was able to get some grant money and that helped pay to, for the recording or something like that. Yeah. Uh, is what, is what I remember. Um, and I was jazzed up to work at home and, and, you know, connect with rats and stuff. So, yeah. How about like otherwise just, you know, and all the albums you've put out, is it usually, you know, an easy thing? Or I mean, like you said, you, you tour with Bill. So that one kind of formed like that. Do you find that it's usually those kind of connections that leads you kind of one way or the other? Yeah. I, I mean, I like to work with people that, like me <laughs> yeah. like i don't i would rather like work with someone um that knows our band or like has expressed interest in the past before because i just feel like it'll get a little more attention that yeah. way as opposed to like i've worked with people that i've that i've just been fans of before and maybe they didn't like fuck with me as much so or fuck with us as much so maybe i felt like i didn't want to feel like i'm annoying them or you know just it's it's really good when you feel like someone's like really invested in the project. Yeah, that, for sure. It will always that'll always go a long way with me. For example, like uh, Will Putney just mixed our brand new record oh, that's right not on. out yet, and you know going with him was because I had met him a few years back, and him really talking about how he liked the record, and then my buddy recorded there and said like you know he had one of our records on the wall, and so it's just like hey you know they. He actually likes our band. He'll probably put that much more effort into it, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was important. And uh, working with Rats and Kenny, I don't know if they knew our band before uh, broadcasting, or sorry, uh, before Symptoms and Cures, but we got along thick as thieves. It was really cool hanging out with them and and having that type of experience. And it was a lot different than um, it was. It was again a really cool way to it felt like they were steering the ship quite well mm. um, and letting us do our thing. So, yeah. you know, putting a lot of trust in someone who's done a lot of records, you know? Yeah, so. no, it's awesome. Well, I think uh, it's a kind of a trap. A lot of bands get stuck in where it's like, well, I want to work with this producer because they've done such and such versus, you know, this producer reached out to us or whatever. And um, sorry to bring up means again, but on our, our second album, that's what we did. We went with someone we hadn't, we never met. It was just, you know, we kind of liked his track record and uh, kind of kind of bit us in the butt a little bit and didn't quite turn out who we wanted. And it's like, ah, we should have just gone back to John Paul Peters. And who Who is that? There's a guy named Mike Watts in New York. Mm -hmm. I think um, I've heard of it, maybe. Yeah, so, like, he had worked with Hope's Fall, and uh, I think he had yeah. done some stuff with The Chariot and... And so it was just kind of like, oh, like it's New York and, you know, the studio pictures look cool and, you know, this will be good for our band. And like it, it was a good experience for the most part overall, but it's just kind of that bummer when it's like, ah, oh, this, you know, we should have maybe just stuck to what we knew or researched yeah, it a bit. Yeah. But, you know, you're young, you're ambitious, you kind of want to just try new things and sometimes not really totally. think about it. So it's. 
And as a Canadian man, like go to the States, you know, like that's sick. Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about GM Vincent and I. It's the album, the song you picked off of this. love that opening guitar riff and then just like kind of that urgency that this song has uh, this song also brings some weight with it you know it talks about a vehicle accident that you were in and um, how do you find kind of writing songs about hard subjects like this you know does it help you cope with it or is it just like one of those things that's like i just need to kind of get it out or i don't want to get it out but i kind of have to like how do you kind of go back and forth when you're dealing with kind of a heavier topic um definitely something i wanted to get out uh as far as 
that situation, my, we, I was in Revelstoke, uh, along with a, with a band and we've flipped down the, uh, the highway into the, into the gutter. And we flip our van flipped a few times with the trailer. And my friend, Matt, who plays in my other band sights and sounds was getting a ride. And he ended up like underneath the, um, the shotgun area of the van, you know, the shotgun window would have been on the ground. So the van was crushing him and his hands were up and the rest of like from his chest down was getting crushed. And, there was, you know, a bunch of stuff had happened. One guy got flew out the window. Um, somehow I was okay. I climbed out and then I just was remember like holding his hand and he was in so much pain and we just had to wait for the ambulances and the, sorry, the fire trucks to come, which took quite a while because we were out in the boonies. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what that song was about. And, you know, it's, it's an intense moment, but it was also like, you know, fuck, we're still here. Like we got up and we, played a show like the next day he heard yeah. it, you know uh so that's what that song was about and it was just kind of like a celebration of life in that as far as like the content of that song yeah um, and it feels it feels good to play and it feels good when like matt uh m vincent is there to hear it and yeah it's cool yeah how like when something you know tragic or you know hard like that happens how soon you know as a songwriter because I'm guessing, you know, you're always kind of thinking of like, you know, what should I write about or should I write about this or that? You know, when something like that happens, what's the like thought process of, okay, I'm definitely going to write about that or, you know, I don't want to write about that. That's, you know, almost too personal of a situation. Do you ever find those kind of conversations going back and forth? Yeah, sometimes you feel like you're kind of giving away a little bit too much of yourself, but sometimes you just kind of got to commit with that or you can like, Vanessa a little bit to maybe not feel so vulnerable, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like that song, like something like that felt like, I think I would have known right away uh, what that song w- was about when I was writing it. And I wanted a really like kind of powerful celebratory song. Um, I remember I had, seen in like early 2000s dropkick murphy's play uh, the back to school jam and in, in worcester at palladium worcester and i just remember it was my first time seeing them they headlined this festival with converge and some other bands we figure forward played it but i just remember being on like the the balcony and they came out packed crowd and they just sang this song for boston for boston oh, yeah. and it was just like you know football type crowd sing along you know, fist in the air. Like that was the vibe that I was trying to emulate. Um, and I remember them being like, is the whole chorus? Like, I think like Bratz and Kenny are, is the whole chorus gang vocals? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, you know, I just like, it has to be like this, like anthemic, like, you know, festival vibe. And that I, maybe I had, we had recently kind of seen like the festival world in Europe shortly before that. Okay. And I got exposed, got exposed to that. So that was kind of on my mind when we were writing that song. Um, just the whole, the crowd engagement and the, just like the, but like the big festival crowd engagement, you know, and that yeah. was the, the, the intent with that song. Yeah. Awesome. Any other kind of standout moments from, you know, like this album tour cycle, um, you know, growth of the band, anything else that you kind of remember specifically attached to this album? Ah, <sighs> Or is it all kind of blurring together? 
it's kind of blurring my friend you know <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's all good you know what what year is that 2010 yeah um, yeah just sometimes uh, there's like oh no we got this opportunity and i remember it was you know then but there might be yeah, too much of it, that to, to go back to that so that's okay it's, yeah it was it was that steady build you know it kind of kept on going a lot of going a lot to europe a lot more during those times that became a lot um I can't remember any like specific tours that were like, you know, um, I mean, maybe, yeah, there's, I think maybe we went on, uh, the persistence tour with that record, okay, um, yeah. which would have been Madball and sick of it all co-headlining and then us terror and walls of Jericho, like all like revert, like, like switched off doing the support slots and okay. different orders on that. So it was like quite like that was maybe one of our big, like our first like big festival tours, you know? So that yeah. was the Europe thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe another way to tour it is like at this point where was, you know, every tour doing well, you know, like was were things really working together and, you know, for the band and. Yeah. But you know what, man, like it's, we've always had, some hit and miss stuff you know i felt i i feel like at this point the band's still growing but we always had hit and miss shows you know that that came with the territory for pretty much all the time you know we've since i feel like the wake the dead record it's just been kind of like pretty consistent i wouldn't say that we got like much more big you know like yeah maybe but it's just been quite consistent, you know, and it was never like a huge jump, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, being, you know, in the hardcore punk scene, that's usually unless, you know, a band has like some kind of radio hit or some random thing. That's you know typically kind of how it goes. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, there, there still are some things where it's like, okay, you know, we had this tour and after that things really started to go or we got this manager or, you know, you still hear enough of that, you know, in this scene where it's like, this is the point where, you know, from yeah. then on, you know, all the shows were good. and I definitely remember our manager then, but I, we've had a few and we don't have one now. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Well, let's, yeah. Yeah, let's move on to the next one, which is off of Die Knowing, which was your fifth studio album. It was released on March 4th, 2014 on Victory. Uh, the song you picked off of this was uh, Wasted Arrows. I wrote it up before the story began. And it came down to this You've been reckless and lately I can't tell by your fraud 
This Hell is yeah. just such a good song. I love this one. And, you know, I love the the groove at the beginning of the song and how it just goes into this like breakneck speed. You know, it's got so much energy to it and such a good live song. Uh, why why does this yeah. song stand out to you off this album? Just like what you said, it's this is a, a song built for live. You know, uh, I loved that we could do something where it's like a, a vocal type thing with not much else going on at the beginning, and we could come back to that very vocal vo- vocals oriented um and then the the fast parts very just repetitive and again just like it's a it's a song built for live and uh um i liked also with this song that i think it was a song that i was really trying to less is more when it comes to like the music yeah you know when as far as like it doesn't always have to have guitars through the whole thing or the drums doing a whole thing sometimes you know, in the middle of a song for a whole verse, it's just kick, you know? Yeah. yeah or at the beginning, like that's just some of the things that um, I've tried to incorporate a lot more in songwriting and just bring in, taking things out. So it's not just a thick line the whole way through and bringing elements out to, you know, really make parts special. Uh, so that was the goal with this song. And it's just been like, uh, again, just like a really reliable song live. It's just, one that we're always excited to play uh, and it can pretty much you know it, this that song could lead out a set as a first song you know false idols fall is probably the best opener for yeah a set but um <laughs> but uh this one is right up there with it and it's uh it's been pretty reliable and we did this record i knowing um was it kyle black kyle, that one yeah kyle black but he came to canada where oh. it's private ear where you probably recorded with Jay, john paul um and he came to canada and did it and uh and yeah it was really cool working with him for the first time that was the first of two records we did with him what made you pick him because he's he, done a lot of like hasn't he done like lots of like pop punk kind of stuff and or i mean yeah, he's, he's done so, i guess a mix of some kind of melodic hardcore so stuff. you know how i got into he did a shy halud record reach beyond the sun that oh chad gilbert, yeah yeah Man, that chad chad chad, Kil, chad gilbert produced yeah and then I remember, I think Stick Your Guns had did, done like a Florence and the Machine cover with him. Okay. And maybe someone sent that to me. And so I don't know if that's, I think that's the only thing they did with him. But both sounded really fucking good, especially the mix of uh, that Shy Halud record. Um, and so we took a chance on him. Like I, I still to this day, you know, sometimes I, I shoot out some of his records mixes with other stuff and it's quite fucking awesome he's he has a he had a great year for clear uh big sounding recordings um and yeah i mean you can hear you know in the songs that i'm suggesting the 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 progress in production you know yeah record to record um and yeah i just loved his drums uh loved the vocal production uh, that one was again like just listening to it today, maybe a little bit low key, more low key than the the next record as far as like production goes and mixing and and just like fun mixing stuff. Uh, but yeah, that song uh, it always works. 
it's yeah. a fun one to yeah, play. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with this album being your fifth album, like, did you think, you know, at this point, like, okay, we're still going, we're still, I mean, five albums is, is quite a bit. You know, it's a lot mm-hmm. more than a lot of hardcore bands do. Like, do you remember any specific thoughts about, like, you know, just kind of the progress of the band, where things were at, you know, how much longer they could and still are going, or like, how do you kind of, you know, deal with all those different thoughts? You know, it's like, hey, we're doing another album, I guess, you know, people still care, we still got songs, you know, we're still feeling in- inspired, um, or again, is it just, hey, we're, this is what we do, we're just going to keep doing it? Um, it was, I, it, it was all working, you know, I think around that time, our drummer Kyle was living in California. Yeah, because this is his last in... album with you guys, right? Yeah, actually, here's another crazy thing. Kyle did his drums. We did our drums um, out in California at this place, Ocean Studios. Um, it was a studio where they did, like, I think they filmed, like, The Voice there. Okay. Something. So that's a nice little fun tidbit. But uh, he he recorded it. We, we would go to California. We probably had three writing sessions, me and Jeremy going down there. And, uh, and then we did the drums there after the last session and he did his drums in like five days or something. And then as we're driving him home to his house in long beach, he's like to me and Jeremy, he's like, guys, I'm quitting the band. <laughs> I'm like, Oh shit, really? But yeah, I'm like, I'm like, why did you fight with me on all these fucking parts? <laughs> gonna quit the... But, uh, uh, yeah, he quit the band then. And then we asked him like, Hey, can we, can you do, um, we had a couple more tours after that. We're like, dude, can you just do a couple more tours with us? And one one of them being South Africa. Oh, yeah. Um, and so we go to South Africa, and he was vegan at the time, and he noticed, like, I think there was, like, some vegan restaurants or something opening up, but it was, like, quite pop in there when we were in, like, not Johannesburg, uh, Cape Town. And he ended up, like, falling in love with it and moved there like a couple months later after he quit the band, he moved to South Africa. It didn't really like, he didn't stay there for super long, but okay. uh, that's an, in, that's an interesting That's the tangent I went on with that. That's how he exited the band. Yeah. Um, so did he know that before he re- like, there was no conversations before like, Hey, I'll record the drums, but that will be it. It was, he must've, but he was just like, you don't, he's like, but are you sure? He's like, yep, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, okay. He's just, he maybe was just affecting his, uh, his mojo. So yeah. yeah. Well, it's been bitten, you know, 10 years. So that's definitely a good chunk of, of time to, I mean, to give to anything. So totally. Yeah. Was that then, like, uh, did you guys feel pretty shocked by that or was it like, well, we've got to- this album to- or. I was totally blindsided by that. So, but that was the first, you know, first time we were able to do a bunch of videos for the album and you know we kind of had a whole thing we were ready to go and um just had a whole like plan for this route here you know it uh, you were saying like oh are we just going to continue on it was like more like fuck like this thing has real momentum and it's a real thing and it we're flying around to meet each other and it it's all working you know so uh that was an exciting time still. And we were just kind of keeping busy and, you know, just real, that was, you know, quite the start to like really being, you know, a band that had been around for a while Yeah, and being able to just like, you know, Hey, I'll meet you. And we're meeting in Finland. Okay, let's go. You know, and then I'm doing my other band, I'm doing another tour and then I meet the guys in California or something. So it was quite, quite a like to think about it now after i've been home for a, a year or two you know it's like fuck that was quite a 
interesting life, I guess, you know. Yeah. So. Did you ever think like, oh, maybe this, like, maybe not say this is the end, but, or was it like, well, we'll just, you know, I guess we got to find someone else and we're just going to keep going. Uh, then, then I got the drummer from my favorite band, No Warning, Jesse. Yeah, I remember who that. In, uh, who lived in Toronto with me at the time. Um, I remember No Warning had a seven-inch release, like, party or something for their friends in high places, seven-inch, and that's where Scott Wade introduced me to Jesse. And turns out we'd lived across the street from each other for a while, and it was great to have him in the band. <laughs> so I had a, you know, uh, a, a drummer that I was a fan of in the band so that was quite cool yeah yeah for sure sweet well let's move on to uh to your last selection which is off of outsider which was your sixth album released on september 8th 2017 on nuclear blast uh so how did that deal with uh, nuclear blast come about like i'm guessing your things ran out with victory and by then it was time to move on yeah so things ran out with victory um again like i told you europe is probably where we'd spend most of our time i would say slightly more than other places and then um so our european booking agent marco from avocado recommended nuclear blast we met the guy the uh, anr who's still our anr now um markets from nuclear blast in germany and it felt good because you know again we we're doing a lot of festivals in Europe and it just felt like the right move uh, at the time because of their presence, especially more in Europe than, than America. Um, but we signed with them worldwide. Um, and then we did new damage in Canada. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, you know, it's always good to have a couple labels. I also have like a label at home that you can kind of rely on. Yeah. To, so certainly, is yeah, that still the the label setup like you'll have for the upcoming album? Yeah, correct. Yeah, we're uh, with Nuclear Blast now, and then New Damage will distribute our record. So. Yeah, well, yeah, it's always interesting when you see. I remember, like when we were seeing you guys sign with this. You know, I was aware of the label. You know, there's not a ton of bands that I listen to. You know, if you go look at their roster of bands, there's just like tons of these like crazy metal bands and. And uh, but yeah, I mean, it's got such a, a, a you know worldwide you know label presence, and so something you know, and especially mm-hmm. you know your sixth album, you know maybe you're not as concerned because I know you know in earlier two thousands, even mid, it was like hey, we got to be on like the label, right? Like whatever, main yeah. punk or hardcore, and and now it kind of seems like you know what people know us. Hopefully, more people are going to know us because of this. You know, it's not necessarily the same concern of being like you know, put with a, a specific label that has like, you know, yeah, hardcore street cred or something. Exactly. Exactly. It was, we were able, we, everyone would at that time, even though digital wasn't quite up to speed as where it is now, it's like people would be able to find our record. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and, and that's and one there, of the main th- things. There was too. resource resources that we could access through the label. Yeah. Know? Well, I think, yeah, as, as you, you know, as you've been a band for so long, you figure those things out. It's like, okay, what label is going to, you know, get us places we haven't been or in front of people we haven't played in front of, you know, they're going to do all the, you know, basic things like getting it in stores and stuff that, you know, you're maybe more concerned about at the start, but it's just cool mm-hmm. to see that kind of progression and, and that growth. So yeah, the song oh, you look. picked off this was Absolute.
another killer groove on this song. Um, it almost has like a Pantera vibe or something to to the start until the song picks up. Uh, the song also features a really cool guest spot from Devin Townsend. Um, so I mean, you guys, or at least your your other band, had worked with um, him in the past. Was that kind of what drew you towards getting him, or why why was it his voice that you wanted for the song? Yeah, like Devin Townsend's influenced me probably like more than anyone really knows. I mean, it's his just when I was able to do a Sight and Sounds record monolith with him yeah. in like '09, I learned a lot from him, just as far as just layers and vocal layers and. I think you can hear it in Comeback Kids progression, some of the influence that I've taken from him. And uh, Jeremy had never met him or worked with him before. And he, you know, he was a big strapping young lad fan. Yeah. Uh, and, and Stu did um, yeah, with Misery, Misery Signals, Signals record, and, yeah. um, uh, Malice, with him back yeah. in the day, too. So he had done some sweet Darkest Hour albums. and Yeah, Stu is the big, the, the link to Devin all along. Um, okay. From the from 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 the get go, and uh, yeah, no. So I messaged him and uh, I said, "Hey, yo, do you want to do the this comeback hit song?" I don't know if he'd really, how, he you know he'd heard comeback hit through when I met him and stuff, but uh, he said, oh, "Send me the song," and he liked it, and he just did it at home, and you know, comp it as you wish, and just kind of sent it back. So I don't even know if I've seen him since he did that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I've seen him in years, but he fucking sent us this crazy a bunch of stacks and the, you know harmonies and stuff, and that's so, like so that's that part of it's sick. The song in general is sick, I think. Jeremy came up with that riff, and it's like you know a kind of breakdown skip part at the beginning of the song. Everyone, every time I play, every time we play it, it's like you know a, a crowd exploder. And um, it's not the biggest like sing along kind of song, right? But I I remember many like a few times like almost tearing up uh, playing that song and watching the crowd like go off like yeah. I was like, this is wow. this this is fucking beautiful like I'm so happy that I'm doing this right now or that we can play this song and it it's moving people like this like I don't know something about that song. Um, and just, you know, about the lyrics with persevering and, um, you know, and, you know, the hardships that we've gone through. I just think that that, that song speaks to me and like, it's one of those ones that's like really, um, therapeutic for me to play. So. Yeah, for sure. How do you find that? So when you have a song that you love so much that has a guest spot, you know, where that person's not adding it, you know, any other time except the album, do you, do you find like when it comes to that, you're almost like waiting for that person to start singing? You're like, oh yeah, I gotta sing that now, or or it's like, oh, I no, wish that I person mean, nah. was here. The must the muscle memo like now it feels like normal just to sing it. Yeah, me I guess. And Stu, me and Stu have a back and forth thing that we do, and you know, he he we we know how to do it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would be awesome to it would be awesome to hear him <laughs> do it, Devin Townsend, but never heard it. So after like you know. 300 shows or whatever you've played probably it so i'm sure it's fine now <laughs> yeah well i guess that's maybe one of the downsides of getting an artist that you're you know not as likely to tour with or you know play with much who could even you know do it for a handful of shows or something yeah and totally maybe and maybe we were like oh you know nuclear blast it's more of a metal label like this will hit pretty cool with the, some metal heads because devin Townsend, you know like there's definitely conversations like that so. yeah 
Yeah, and also, yeah, it's cool to you know again after you've done so many albums, you know it's not that out of the box, but it's it's out of the box enough where it like it creates this cool contrast. Like if you're listening to it, it's like oh that's that's kind of different. You know, I wonder who that is. You kind of look yeah. it up, and it's like yeah, oh okay, not, this is from this crazy metal band, and it's nothing something it's nothing people would have expected from us, which I which I appreciate. Yeah, well, and especially when a band like you guys could probably get you know a guest spot from you know whoever you would like in you know the hardcore punk scene. It's kind of cool almost to to kind of put that aside and be like, wow, what, who's somebody that people wouldn't expect? And you know, just mm-hmm. to kind of have that little bit of a, a different factor to it. So yeah, yeah, I, we have we have a re- we have a really cool one coming up too on the new record. So yeah, I'm pretty I'm pumped about it. Yeah, so let's let's end on that. Like you've kind of alluded this to this a few times. I don't know, like kind of how much you can share about it. Like this probably won't, you know, be out for um, a few, maybe even until September or something. But yeah, anything you can okay. kind of share on that, or, or anything that you yeah. kind of have coming up, or yeah, I think our first single will come out in September, so shoot soon after this. Okay, awesome. Released, um, and we'll announce the album in October, I believe. And so it's, it's still, it's still a while, you know, cause it takes a while to enter everything in and we're kind of still working on the layout and everything like that. But, um, we recorded it in Winnipeg with John Paul Peters, yeah. Gandy, yeah, can- cool Cancer Bats, me- Means, and come, <laughs> you know, come back in. John Paul Peters is the guy who did our first record, Turn It Around. Yeah, that's, and that's then cool. we, we, we mixed it with, uh, Will Putney. Will was maybe going to come to Canada originally, but then coronavirus happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Will does, uh, everyone from every time I die, terror, knock loose. Oh, yeah. uh, Very well. And, known. uh, he just won a Grammy last year for the body count records. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's crazy. crazy. Uh, so, uh, and then, you know, so we sent it to him and he mixed it, um, over, uh, you know, we would send notes over email and talk on the phone and, and, uh, uh, he actually just sent me the very final sequence to it tonight. Oh wow! Uh, which which I have to review, but like I, I there was like everything was fine, and I just wanted one thing a little different on a fade yeah. out or something like that. But pretty, I haven't listened to it yet. But it's I, tonight is the night. You yeah, know, I probably man. have the the, fi- the, fi- the final thing, and we started recording that or started writing that at the beginning of COVID, and here we are now when it seems like we're able to start playing our first shows in a couple of weeks here so we'll see i mean maybe by the time this this is out the world will be in a hopefully better place but yeah, we'll see <laughs> let's hope so yeah how how was that working now with john paul again i mean that because that was yeah well it was 2002 or three when that first album came out and it was cool it was great uh you know i really trust john paul uh as far as his musicality goes you know yeah, he, for sure. i can always i can rely on him to that everything's gonna stay in time and i don't have to like second guess things a lot like you know it's just good to trust somebody in that way and you know keep things in tune and in time and uh he understands music you know so it's he's able to kind of like give some great pointers with that we realized very very soon into our recording that we wouldn't finish everything in time so um this guy derek had like rented john's studio b and i just kind of like racked up the hours with him i don't even know if he'd really hurt I don't even know if he'd ever heard hardcore before, but oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I just put I, we we just put like the Pro Tools monitor in in my control room as well, and kind of sing and comp as I go, and just kind of be like, all right, let's put this here and there. So it was quite it, we we were doing the two studios at the time thing there. Yeah. So it was quite a uh, when I said like Wake the Dead was uh, I don't remember it being very stressful, 
this one was a lot more intense. Mm. <laughs> so, so, you know, when you're in the studio for like five weeks or something, it's just, I don't know. Why does it take so much longer when you're like, I don't know, as, as we get older, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you figure out more about what works and what doesn't, and you want to make sure it's, you know, your best effort. And, you know, I'm guessing you're kind of learning each time. And so the more you do it, it's almost probably like the more notes you have of like, okay, here's five more things yeah. in the last album that I would, would want to change. And right, you're always trying totally. to better yourself. And but it, yeah, I, I think that's great to have John Paul. I mean, to have, you know, his ears. Um, you know, like he, like you mentioned, he's done, you know, some punk and hardcore stuff, but it's not like that's all he does. You know, he does a lot of other stuff. And so I think it's great to have, you know, his ears in, in along with the band and, you know, but, you know, he comes from the punk hardcore world. And so it's cool to just kind of meld those two. I can't wait to, to hear the album and how it sounds. Yeah. It's definitely the most like aggressive sounding comeback in record. We, we, that's why we went, had Will mix it just because we've, especially Jeremy and I like never felt like we had like the heavy enough as, as heavy a tone as we've desired with the band. So yeah. that was kind of the, the, the goal coming into this, you know, we're still going to have some, a lot of melodic stuff on there, but it's definitely a little more of an aggressive mix. I think, man, you're just getting me even more stoked now. That's going to feel man. like a long wait, but yeah, well, Andrew, I really appreciate me making this happen. It's yeah. Like I said, you guys have yeah. been, a long-time favorite of mine, and so I look forward to next time getting to see you guys live and appreciate you sharing thoughts on uh, five-year favorite songs. Thank you so much for having me, man. Appreciate it.